On today's episode of The Door Report, we break down Vanderbilt's 41-7 dominating loss to the LSU Tigers, the defending national champs. Miles Brennan, well over 300 yards passing, four touchdowns. LSU absolutely ran wild on Vanderbilt. John Emery Jr., also over 100 yards rushing. And it was not good from the very first possession. We will discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly per usual after Vanderbilt's loss. They are 0-2 heading into uh, this week's matchup with South Carolina. We will touch on the South Carolina matchup, but this episode is all about LSU and their dominating victory over Vanderbilt. Let's ride. Welcome into another episode of The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast in Music City. We are presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day and get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com or you can email the founder, Jimmy Alaco. That's jimmyalaco at comcast.net. They are located right here in Nashville, Tennessee, so it's nice and easy for the locals. You can call 615 356 0303. That's 615-356-0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Perfect floors, whatever your style. Before we dive into the loss this past weekend against LSU at home, 41-7, it's now time to discuss the breaking news presented by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they are brothers, Graydon and Chapman, and their dad, Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter. Living in West Mead, the Recycling Dudes recognized a need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup. They have a variety of service levels to fit every budget and every need, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at recyclingdudes.com. Welcome back into the door report. This is episode number 38 alongside Will Byram. I'm your host, Billy Derrick. You're listening to episode, oh, this is 39. My goodness. Already <laughs> slipping up here early, Will. Vanderbilt's slipping up. I'm slipping up. This is episode 39, almost to 40. We are, as always, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Will, we're back in better than ever. You're up in Nashville. I'm reporting live here down in Naples. Again, miss the Nashville weather, but um, I don't miss this Vanderbilt game that we saw this past Saturday. It was a tough one, Will. Yeah, it uh, even fell below my expectations, um, which were already relatively low. Um, it, it is a little bit disheartening after that performance they had in week one versus Texas A&M where you thought maybe this offense would have some struggles, but the, the defense performed very well, and it was a really gritty performance to, to kind of what happened in this game. Um, and even though the final scoreboard does not necessarily show uh, the entirety of the game, there were, there were some missed opportunities that we'll get into later for the Commodores. No doubt about it. It was just a tough one all the way around. I mean, for in the first offensive possession, Vanderbilt could not get anything going. And, and you saw a little bit of the, not nervousness, but just, uh, you know, hesitation there from Ken Seals a little bit, playing against a better defense than AM. LSU has, you know, a legitimate defense. They had Derek Stingley back. 
and they were playing with a lot of fire and, and anger. We talked about it all week, Will. They were playing angry, and they're, de- they're the defending national champions, and they played like it. Uh, they proved they still have the offensive firepower to dominate in, in the SEC. Miles Brennan threw for 337 yards, four touchdowns, while John Emery Jr., the running back who came out of nowhere, I mean, where, where did he come from? He, four over 100 yards as, as LSU dominated Vanderbilt, 41-7. to We'll get into all kinds of stats. We'll get to the good, bad, and the ugly per usual. But before we get to stats and breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Also, courtesy of Mr. Byram here, we are looking to start a Friday mailbag column during the season. If you have any questions or just an opinion you'd like to share about anything surrounding Vanderbilt Athletics, not just football, you can send those over to doorreport at gmail.com or send us a DM on Twitter or Instagram. Before we get to some of the stats, I definitely want to touch on a game, Will, but uh, before we kind of dive into it, we got a several guys that, that will be coming back uh, for the Commodores heading into the South Carolina game on Saturday. That is an 11 a.m. kickoff there locally in Nashville. Here's the guys that they'll have back, Will. Keon Brooks, Brandon Harris, James Bostic, and Devin Body Jr. Those are guys that they've been missing, and it showed. Like Brandon Harris, they could have used him in the, in, the, in the back end of that secondary against an LSU run game that was just pounding play after play. And James Bostic, Devin Body Jr., and Keon Brooks, that's a lot more depth to that offense that they also could have used. Yeah, Brendan Harris um, and Keon Brooks are probably the two guys that stick out the most that they could have used on Saturday and in week one as well. Um, Keon Brooks, once again, we were missing kind of that explosive playmaker kind of guy. And then Brendan Harris, just the secondary play was was poor, um, to put it <laughs> to put it nicely. Um, James Bostic and Devin Body Jr. That there'll be some depth out of that receiving core, but if there if yeah. there's one position that's not really of dire need for the Commodores, it, it's at that receiver position. Um, they do have yeah. a lot of depth there, even if they don't have any explosive necessarily playmakers, even with Cam Johnson and in, in that group, um, like we discussed last week. Yeah, and I mean, you look at those guys, Keon Brooks, he's going to provide big playability in the backfield. And, and, and that's, that's what we haven't necessarily seen. We saw a little bit of it from Javion Marlowe against LSU. He had a couple splash plays that, quite frankly, have come out of left field for me. Um, I don't know about you, Will, but he's been a, definitely a bright spot on offense. And then you got Brendan Harris, as I mentioned. He's going to provide some strength. He's a pretty big guy and experience. He played a lot last year on the back end of the secondary and as I mentioned, Bostic and Body Jr., they will also provide some explosiveness to the receiving core. So, again, all uh, – is it four? All four of those guys are back. Keon Brooks, Brendan Harris, James Bostic, and Devin Body Jr. are all back against South Carolina. So, look forward to seeing them back on the field against South Carolina on Saturday. And then real quick here, Will, our guy Keyshawn Vaughn has scored his first touchdown of his NFL career on a short pass from Tom Brady and immediately after, I, I saw this tweet from Skip Bayless. He said, I raved about Keyshawn Vaughn from my school, Vanderbilt, when the Bucks took him the third round. He's quick, fast, powerful. He just caught Brady's fifth touchdown pass of the day to put the Bucks back ahead. Another tweet that was hilarious uh, was, was Keyshawn jumping into the arms of Brady. I don't know if you saw it, but he's saying, Dad, is that you? <laughs> he's, he's back. And, and it's great to see Keyshawn you know, playing with Brady and and – being able to punch it in was, was so cool. I saw it live and, and it was awesome. You know, door report was all over that. 
Yeah, uh, with Fournette out, Vaughn got a chance to actually really see the field for the first time. And and if you were watching that game, he actually had a chance at another touchdown that Brady actually missed. He threw it behind him um, on kind of a that. similar play running back out of the backfield. So he could add two on the day, but he but he did end of the day, I believe it was, with two catches for 22 yards and a touchdown and only three carries for four yards uh, with Ronald Jones Jr. kind of, kind of holding uh, the keys to that backfield. Yeah. The Red Mamba, he's he's back, and it, and it felt he looked he looked small on the field. He looked a little bit. I mean, it is an NFL field, but he's not as big as as he was. I mean, he's yeah, it's not like he shrunk, but it's just interesting seeing him on an NFL field. You know, kind of see yeah, him his, his role did ch has changed a lot because kind of what the Bucks struggled with with Ronald Jones Jr. I believe he had three or four drops relatively early in that game. Is is receiving yeah. out of the backfield. Um, which Vaughn kind of provides, even though that ball from Brady was a little bit behind him, he probably should have still caught it. Um, yeah. But that that's kind of going to be his role. It's kind of a third down guy. He's got to improve in the pass protection game because um, that was one of the knocks on him in his college career. But it, it'll be good to look uh, into the future and see if he's earned a few more snaps with that performance that he had. Yeah, I mean, I think Brady has found a new James White with with Keyshawn. I don't want to, I want to temper the expectations, but I mean, Keyshawn, he he, that was a nice grab, and that's 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 what he's there for. He's there to to catch out of the backfield, get those maybe short first downs, and it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, we'll see who the Bucks play this Sunday. We might talk a little bit about that in our South Carolina preview episode, but but right now, Will, let's let's hop into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of bad and ugly against LSU, mm -hmm. and it was a game where you look at it, the very beginning of it, it wasn't disastrous. You know, it didn't start horribly for Vanderbilt. They were in it up until I mean, they were they were in it at the half. They were in it at the half. What was the halftime score? Was I believe it was 21 to seven, but definitely should have been a tighter game than that. Um, we'll get into that a little oh, bit yeah. more in the the bad and the ugly, but some of the bright spots there weren't a ton. Um, one of them was Javion Marlowe kind of looked like even though their carries were relatively even, his performance was was better outside of one specific play. Yeah. Um, but he, he looked kind of the more dominant back and more explosive back in the backfield, obviously without Keon Brooks there. But he ran for 17. He ran the ball 17 times for 83 yards, while Jamari Wakefield ran 16 times for 52 yards. So some of his explosive playmaking ability that he might have a little bit of an edge on JV on Marlowe on um, really kind of showed on the field. No doubt. And, and especially some of the other stats offensively for the Commodores, they just weren't clicking on all cylinders and not saying they were against AM, but this was, was a lot tougher to get any kind of momentum going, uh, obviously because of the defensive line pressure from Ole Miss, but Ken Seals, 11 of 25, 113 yards, one touchdown and two pretty costly interceptions. You know, you can't throw those picks. Um, you know, and, and there was one in the red zone late garbage time. But, you know, when you talk about interceptions, if you're Ken Seals, you can't throw them for Vanderbilt. You just can't, um, especially two in a game uh, if you want to win it. You mentioned Marlowe, 83 yards. That's five yards a carry he, uh, on 17 carries there. He ran the ball hard. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. I think they 17 carries is a good look for Marlowe, but hopefully we can see him maybe get even more, and especially out of the backfield. He's a, he's a great catcher out of the backfield as well. Cam Johnson will. Uh, we talked about him uh, coming into this one with hopefully a little bit more added expectation and hype. Three catches, 63 yards. He played a lot better. He had a long catch uh, from Ken Seals, a nice throw. Seals had to step up, and there was nice protection on that play. Cam uh, was able to run for, for yards after the catch. Uh, but, again, hopefully we can see more, continue to see more 
even more from Cam Johnson because he is their guy. He's a number one guy. And, and yeah, touching touching on that catch from Cam Johnson, um, one thing I noticed kind of looking back through it, it it's Ken Seals is running for his life most of the night. Um, yeah. He just was. But that throw to Cam Johnson, Johnson had to turn completely around um, to catch that ball. And, and if that throw is put on the money to Johnson, he might be gone. So that's that's just another yeah. one of those little things um, that that change a game from being forty-one to seven versus being twenty-eight to twenty-one or, or twenty-eight twenty-four. Yeah. It's just it feels like just constant missed opportunities, which we you know t- we talked about over and over yeah. again last week for that Texas A&M game. Yeah, and and especially with with Ken, the amount of pressure he's getting on every play, it's just you know it is hard. It, it's tough on him. We saw it with Shermer a lot of times when he got pressure. They were they were completing passes within 40, 50, 60 yards, you know, but if but if there was pressure in his face within, I mean, this is really any quarterback, you know, Ken Seals a little bit more mobile. Uh, but again, if 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 Seals has at least three seconds, he's gonna complete, he's gonna complete passes and and he will be able to uh to perform. And again, that's a good point, Will. Um, stepping up and 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 you know, being able to to hit him on the run rather than making him turn around. And and kind of you know reassess where he is on the field is is definitely something to look forward to. Hopefully you know he can improve on in that. You know a little bit more of the good. Will you mentioned Marlowe? Uh, one more thing I did like was the back end of the defense at times. You know, there were some tiny flashes with Donovan Kaufman. I know they obviously that's probably the weak the weak point. But if we want to kind of scratch the surface, Kaufman, a freshman, a true freshman had 10 total tackles and and when you have a true freshman leading you in tackles this is some hope for the future obviously this was the weak point of the game but if you're looking at one guy Kaufman played his butt off and even on that kickoff return he did everything he could yeah you, you said the entire back into the defense I was going to point out there was one player that performed well um, the rest was really really bad um, there were a couple times Frank Coppett um, a fifth year senior. He just has to step in front of that ball um, in the red zone early yeah, in that game. That? It, it's another one of those things that you look at. And and like I said, that 41 to seven doesn't tell the full story of the game because yeah. you have that play. It, it, worst case, that should be a pass breakup. But but most FBS, especially up? power five, uh, you know, secondary uh, safeties, whether it's defensive backs, safeties or corners, you, you need make to that find play. a way to make that play. Um, and then play. missing a 22 yard field goal at the end of the half, uh, tacking that oh on to that and then getting into, which I know you were probably safe for later, but Javion Marlowe dropped a 70 yard touchdown pass with nothing but green grass in front of he him right gone. through his hands. He was gone. Um, so you look at those three plays right there. And that's already a touchdown that shouldn't be on the board for LSU. Who knows how the momentum would have shifted after that. Um, A missed field goal that really killed all the momentum from that good drive they had at the end of the half. Should have been worst case 21 to 10. LSU goes in boots of nearly 50 yarder. That's Mm -hmm. a story of the game right there. Yeah. And then immediately after it felt like they weren't extremely close together in the game but that Marlowe drop just felt like that was it it deflated the entire rest of the game because we we talk about it repeatedly but but when you're outmatched by a team which Vanderbilt is by the defending national champions in LSU you only have four or five opportunities to make those big plays and you can't you mess have up to make or, them you have to make you can't them. make you can't make the simple mistakes like missing a 22-yard field goal not picking off the quarterback when he makes a throw that's that's particularly risky in the red zone uh, throwing it on the run to Cam Johnson. So he breaks it for a touchdown as opposed to getting tackled for a 30 or, or so yard gain. 
and then Javion Marlowe not catching that ball in the backfield because there's only so many times that offensive line is going to be able to provide protection to allow for those plays to set up um, just because of how good LSU's defensive line was. Um, There was pressure on Ken Seals every single play, it felt like, which is what I expected in the Texas A&M game, and, and they performed above expectations. So even though the offensive line was good in the run game i mean the performance was better from our run game um their pass protection was was less than spectacular to put it kindly oh just abysmal just abysmal i mean mean, the defense though was the glaring issue i mean this is this is something we talked about i think you know not necessarily you and i but the the theme of this these Derek mason's teams the back end of the defense they just have not been able to hold up they just they just have not been able to hold up against these elite offenses and, and A&M has, I don't know if they're elite offense this year, but that was a good offense. And, and somehow they held them to 17 points. You know, they, they took advantage of the opportunities they got. But against LSU, they didn't take advantage of anything. They had one pick, but, you know, that was deep in their own territory. But for LSU, all they had to do against Vanderbilt was go up-tempo. That's all they had to do. Because if they went up-tempo, Vanderbilt's not ready. Half the time, they're not ready for, for a play from, from Miles Brennan. He says, oh, they're not ready. Let's go. Let's go. And that's all you have to do against Van- this defense. So if they can learn how to play, and it's tough for any defense, really, when, when the offense is just on a roll, up-tempo, and, you know, the defense just can't match up, can't match up whatsoever. So for this defense, well, they, they have to find a way to get more pressure. They have yeah, to, what- whether it's creative pressures, whether it's uh, yeah. zone blitzes, whatever they have to do. Yeah, when, when you go back I mean, and listen to that preview podcast we did um, uh, for the LSU game, some of the keys to the game and, and stuff that I mentioned was, number one, I expected a step back from the defense because when you go back and watch that Texas A&M game, those weren't necessarily forced turnovers, um, which, I was, which I particularly made a point on. And then yeah. a, a initial tackling. Um, a stat from Pro Football Focus, just like we praised the defensive line last week when they were graded the number one defensive line um, yeah. by Pro Football Focus. On the other end, initial tackling. They were ranked just dead terrible. last in all of football. 74 out of 74 current FBS teams playing, they mm-hmm. were 74th. So that initial tackling, they're the, that, when, you're, when you're outmatched, that first guy there has to make contact, slow down the play. There were multiple times in those games when it should have been a play for a loss of two yards or a play for a gain of five yards, and it turned into a massive gain or it turned into even just a six-yard gain as opposed to a one-yard gain. And that's massive when you're playing a high-powered offense like LSU. Yeah, and and we knew that going in, that Vanderbilt – what was heading into this one, just a tough matchup. You know, this say this was week one, it might have been a different story. You know, both teams heading in with a lot of excitement, but this is a home game against a very hungry and angry LSU team. And this team was pissed off. Like Coach O lit a fire up under them and said, let's go kick, let's go kill Vanderbilt. I mean, yeah. like, let's just murder them. And so the thing with Coach O is that that's what he does. Like that, it, he motivates his team and, and, and with this LSU team, that I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, I was surprised that they went out there and just just imposed their will uh, on Vanderbilt. And, and we're going we're gonna to roll in here with the bad, um, seeing what else we need to touch on here. Will, you, you mentioned here they got to capitalize on opportunities, initial tackling. And the thing is, with, with another thing on, on, on the bad here, this, this might even be the ugly um, it's for, for Vanderbilt, is, is just, just the focus, kind of the focus and awareness you know, and at certain positions, like if, if you're, if you're Frank Coppin on that play, 
you, I mean, you, every, t- that's the play. That's the play offenses run the, the deep slant route into the end zone. You have to see that coming. You have to, and then you end up running into your own teammate like that. That's one of those plays you, you had, you, that can't happen. And another thing is the kicking. I mean, Pearson cook, poor guy, a 22 yarder. That's unacceptable. I mean, you, 22 yards, the most Vanderbilt play maybe ever, you know, and then LSU goes down nails a 50 yarder. Like that just, it's the same like that. Like, you know, it's not, it's not going to change the, it's not going to change the win loss result, but like you said, will, it's going to make it a, a respectable loss. And I know we hate talking about moral, you know, moral victories, but with this Vanderbilt team that, you know, we're hoping to get to one win this year. Where is that going to be? We don't know. So uh, the building yeah, you, blocks, you've got, you've got five more. I don't want to say winnable cause it's all sec games, but five games that they're not going to be <laughs> extreme underdogs for. Um, it's not going to be that 30 point line coming up and those little things, um, that we're talking about, those are going to matter when you play South Carolina, when you play Missouri, when you play even a team like Tennessee, that that's good, but they're not great. Overrated. Um, the, the biggest thing in the, in the phrase before I rip into the coaching and the, and the game playing, cause I had a lot of issues with that. One thing that kept coming to mind was it, it's not as much about the X's and the O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Jimmy's and Joe's. And there were multiple times where that, where Ted Roof and Derek Mason had guys in the right positions on defense, and guys just couldn't make the tackle. They couldn't make the yeah. play. And it's the same thing on the offensive end. When when you talk about that missed field goal, the thing that's getting gr- or glazed over because he did miss a twenty-two yard field goal is on that third down play on Ken Seal's incomplete pass. Our two receivers ran into each other into the end zone. Um, and that yeah. would have possibly been a touchdown if they don't have a route miscommunication and yep. run directly into each other. And those are those are high school level things that just can't happen in key situations. And it's just yeah. opportunity after opportunity after opportunity that's squandered by this team, whether that's coaching, not being detail oriented enough, or if it's just the guys that are on the field, we're not really going to know. And South Carolina is going to be a good test of that. Yeah, they are. And it's another team. I mean, every week we can say the team Vanderbilt's playing is playing angry. I mean, Vanderbilt is just the punching bag, especially this season. You know, I, like this season is just it's a, a tough year. We knew it. We knew this going in. And and I, I will say it like first half will wasn't horrible. You know, obviously we weren't happy with the first half performance, but 21-7, it's not trending the right direction, but I think it could have been worse. So with, with this team right now, looking ahead to South Carolina, we're going to touch on it here uh, to kind of close this first sec, this, this episode out. Episode 39 of the Doorport, not 38. Uh, Will Vanderbilt opened at 11. It's moved back to 13. And and with the Vegas odds, what what are we looking at here, Mister uh, Mister Better Byram? So a lot of the early money, which is early lines we're seeing right now, a lot of that early money came in on South Carolina at minus 11. So they're an 11 point favorite on the opening betting line, and we've seen it move out to plus 13. I don't know if we'll see that line moved to a plus 14 or plus 14 and a half. Cause like I mentioned um, in previous podcasts that if you're not familiar with betting that, that one point from plus 13 or plus 13 and a half to plus 14 or plus 14 and a half is a lot mm-hmm. more than even moving from plus 10 and a half to plus 13. That one point is yeah. worth more. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably where that line will stick. Um, and the over under is actually set at 41 and a half with actually 97% of the early money, which is, unreal coming in on the under um so that's a, that's so the, a lot of points yeah the overall market well not not really that's that's actually a pretty low line if you see something in the 30s 
Um, that's going to be a the lowest over under of the entire week in college football. If you see something in the oh, third, damn. So damn, I, that's, that's why you're the Mister Better. Yeah, that's why they're hesitant to shift that line down because um, the moment they hit in the 30s, there's going to be a lot more money coming on the over. So I think that that over under might stick. Um, before we move into anything more about South Carolina, again, there's one more thing that I, I said I was going to do in the group, and and I've just got to get into, and that's I, I'm I'm totally looking at Todd Fitch and expecting a better game plan going into this. Uh, matchup yeah. this upcoming week um, because yeah. we saw Mississippi State's quarterback and the LSU secondary. I know they got Stingley back, um, but we saw LSU secondary literally. Let me put literally. This is not an exaggeration. This is not hyperbole. <laughs> LSU secondary literally had the worst performance in SEC history last week, um, and we continued to try and and the run game yeah, was slightly more Stingley successful. Back. They did have Derek Stingley back. But you, one player doesn't change the fact that you literally had the worst performance in SEC history. Literally. And a lot of what I wanted to see was that quick passing game because LSU's defensive line is extremely talented. Vanderbilt's offensive line, obviously undermanned. Um, and LSU runs a lot of strictly man-to-man. So I was expecting to see a lot of quick drag crossing routes, quick slants, and there really wasn't any of Did that. Did we see any of those? I don't no. think so. I, I I think I don't know if I tweeted is, from the door report, but yeah, is is this Todd Fitch looking at this offense and saying, um, I'm 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 saving, I'm saving a lot of this, or or is that just we can't do that right now? I'm really like how, hoping he's going to come to the realization that this running on first down around eighty five percent of the time, and yeah. I believe we only had outside of those last couple drives two or three times where we actually threw the ball consecutively yeah well, um, the, the, well the, the first the first sign of this game and i was like all right this is nice it's, it's already not training in the right direction was the first offensive possession for vandy that was probably one of the quickest offensive possessions i've ever seen i mean that was bang 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 punt like that stuff like that i mean can you not call can you not call three better plays to set up the game than what yeah. than what he called? And it's it wasn't just, it so wasn't even, and I had to be consistent on it because the first down run run game was more successful than it was last week. When you go through and look by the, look at the play by play of this game, how often and this contributed to the offensive line struggling was how often we were in obvious third down passing situations or obvious passing situations because that allows the defensive line to not worry about filling their gaps and just pin their ears back and, and rush directly at the quarterback. And we were in them a lot. And that contributed to Ken Seals running for his life and, and the lack of success in that passing game because if we picked up five yards on first down, we were probably going to run it on second down. Yeah. If we threw on first down, yeah. you know there's a run coming on second down to guarantee to set up a third and seven, third and six obvious passing situation. So that's my big issue with Todd Fitch is it doesn't seem like a large change from Jerry Godowski, even though I do like the schemes better and how we're set up better. Um, and some guys didn't make plays, which made it look worse, but he set sets up a freshman quarterback to be in obvious passing situations against SEC opponents with a depleted offensive line, um, which is just something that I really can't fathom as a guy that that is in it's the SEC does this for a living. The obvious third down situations for Vanderbilt, obvious third down passing situations, I don't think represents the epitome of Vanderbilt football any better. That's I, I, just the story of 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 being a, a Vanderbilt football fan. Like the obvious passing third downs is just synonymous, synonymous, the epitome of of Commodore football and. 
Uh, we were running out of time here, though. Well, I mean, like I said, we could talk about Vanderbilt SU for uh, for a long time, continue to gripe. But to keep it positive, it is uh, takeoff Tuesday. It's a Tuesday night, and, and that's how Derek Mason is describing uh, kind of this week. They're, they're trying to, to, to kind of write a new script. Both teams are 0-2 in the SEC, 0-2 overall. And you mentioned the line, Will, South Carolina, 13-point favorite. This is an early kick. These early kick games of Vanderbilt Stadium seem to always be – Kind of a, a thorn in the side of the of the opponent coming into West End, and we'll see what, what South Carolina comes into Nashville with. Their, their starting quarterback is Colin Hill. Uh, he has thrown for a little over 500 yards on the year. He only has three touchdowns, uh, but they have a really good receiver in Shy Smith. So, if they can limit Shy Smith's production in this game, Vanderbilt has a chance to keep it close because South Carolina has not looked good. They lost to Tennessee uh, by a touchdown in Game One. Game One's Kind of, I, in my opinion, kind of, you can kind of throw them out the window. Uh, but last week, uh, they suffered another loss as well. So with this South Carolina team, it, it's kind of an interesting scenario. They lost to Florida, and they, 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 they were there kind of in the range. But again, Florida kind of had their way. But Will, for this one, what are kind of the keys uh, for Vanderbilt offensively and defensively to, to maybe squeeze out a, a win here at home? Yeah, we'll, we'll get into hopefully more of an in-depth breakdown when we do the actual preview, but the keys yeah. really haven't changed. Um, <laughs> it's going to be initial tackling, making that first tackle, limiting a five-yard gain to a five-yard gain, not a 15-yard gain. Offensive line, providing seals with protection, and I'm going to add in this time around, um, we've got to mix up the play calling. If if I, I was making a comment, if, if I can sit there and predict 80% of what you're going to call on every single down, whether it's a screenplay, where you're going based on the formation. This is just me as a fan. I know the defensive coordinators can, are predicting it 98% of the time. Um, and improving the screen game, that's another big one that we haven't oh, we haven't talked about, is those quick passes up to the edge, the receiver, or wide receiver screen specifically. Those just haven't been there. I think we tweeted this out. They haven't had a successful screen pass all year. Mm -hmm. they just have, they spent, they've looked horrible. Yeah, whether it's the uh, it's it's a running back screen, the offensive line is allowing them through too quickly, and it doesn't give just enough time to set it up because you yeah. want to allow them through to think that they're getting to the quarterback, but they're doing it too quickly and allowing them to recognize the play <laughs> and getting Ken Sills ki killed. Um, yeah. And then our receivers are just not blocking well on the outside. Um, honestly, not, that that's not. it. One of, one of the guys that I always talk about, which is one of the most unsung heroes in Commodore history, is Jonathan Kraus um, for Jordan yes. Matthews. On yes. about if you go back and watch his highlight a tape on about ninety percent of those wide receiver screens that he breaks big, Jonathan Kraus He's has destroying. his man is destroying a guy has him locked up. Beautiful technique. In so that's yeah, that's what they're missing. Um, and he wasn't the biggest guy, so they've got guys on there that have the body type to yeah. do it. Whether it's Amir Abdurrahman yeah. who does have that nagging injury that we yeah, just he heard about, up. or yeah, or Bostic coming back. Um, mm -hmm. But but we'll see. Those are kind of the three yeah. things that jump out to me. Yeah, we'll see Vanderbilt and South Carolina. Again, we're going to have a huge breakdown. We will uh, be joined by a South Carolina beat reporter. So we're going to dive into South Carolina. Once again, LSU dominates Vanderbilt 41-7. Unfortunate loss. Vanderbilt going into South Carolina 0-2. And we'll see how they perform. We'll see what uh, Coach Mason has. It is uh, takeoff Tuesday. I like that. You've been listening to the good, the bad, and the ugly. This is episode 39 of The Door Report presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring.